Hello and welcome to Pod Rocket. Today I'm here with Ramiro Berleza, who is the founder and CEO of Octeto. How are you? Hi, Ben. Great. Thanks for having me here. Very excited to talk to you. Yeah, excited to speak with you and learn more about Octeto. So maybe you could give us a quick overview about uh, what you do. Yeah, so I am the, the founder and CEO of Octeto. At Octeto, we are building a platform to help software teams launch dev environments into the cloud. Our whole goal is to make it easy for developers to write modern applications by moving all the heaviest stuff, services, databases, deployments into the cloud while they get to use all the, all the local tools that they love, like their IDEs, their scripts, and all those things. Got it. So who's the target user? Someone who currently has um, kind of like legacy infrastructure on-prem and wants to move that to a cloud provider like a Amazon or Google? Is that the right way to think about it? No, the way, the way to think about Octeto is more like our target kind of user is anybody who's building, like developing a you know, full stack application. You have a back end, you have a front end. You know, once you have multiple pieces, it gets really hard to run all things manually in your local machine. You have to start a database, run your API, get your front end. So those kind of users, uh, like our, it's kind of like our focus and our users love the fact that with Octeto, they get like a UI where you click one button, launch. That launches all the services automatically for you in the cloud. So you don't have to run anything locally. And then we give you the tools to pretty much, you know, connect your IDE. You like VS Code. You keep using VS Code. Your source code is there. You write one line of code, save the file. Octeto sends that to your remote environment almost instantly, and you see it there. So it's it's kind of the same experience that you normally have, you know, writing code locally, but without having to run all these other things that, you know, that you, they just get in the way. I see. So normally, if I'm building my full stack application and I have my Postgres database running locally, and maybe you know whatever other infrastructure I have, those would all be running locally. I'd have my uh, you know my dev server, everything running locally. With Octeto, it makes it easy to run all of those pieces of infrastructure in the cloud. But then, as I'm kind of editing my app, making changes, it's pushing the code to the cloud and continuously kind of integrating it in in a cloud dev environment. Is that Exactly, perfect, and and we call it sometimes like the the fastest kind of F5 experience because one of the things that we like, and and we use it internally a lot, is you know you know how when you're writing like a React app locally, you write some code and you have this hot reloader, you immediately see the changes. We give you that, but for everything, your database, your backend, your front end, and especially for kind of bigger cloud, what they call cloud native applications, they may have not three services. Like we have customers with like applications that span 20, 30 different components. So that's when it gets super interesting that you can run all this in the back, have your IDE, you know, have this fast experience because that's kind of like fundamental. I want to write my code and I want to see the changes. And we give them that across the entire application. So you know things work end to end. You're always testing everything instead of having to use, you know, mocks with your API, you can just use the real thing from day one, and that's something that we hope makes developers go faster. And, and you know, so far, we, you know, our users like to love it a lot. And now we're like in that process of getting it to more and more people. And what does it look like to actually define the pieces of infrastructure that a developer needs for their application? Like, do you sit on top of something like a Terraform Helm, like that stack, or can you use other uh, 
you know, configuration or infrastructure as code tools, or do you have your own system for doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we sit on top of, from an infra perspective, we sit, sit on top of Kubernetes. But we're building this layer to make that completely transparent to you. So today, if you have a script with like Terraform, Docker Compose, Helm, even just a Docker file, all those things work with Octero. Part of, part of a, you know, I've been a developer my entire career. So part of a, our goals with Octeto, and, and we have it on our website, is it works with your own tools. I don't want people to have to rewrite their applications for them to be, be able to benefit from Octeto. It's, hey, bring your own tools, bring the tools that you love, and we make it work with Octeto. And right now, you know, Docker Compose and Helm are two of the most popular that people use with Octeto. But we also have, we, we have a few companies that they don't even use containers, but they, they saw the dev experience of Octeto. And they just use it that way and it works well for them as well. So, you know, long-term, our vision is to build this platform for every type of development. But today, if you go to our website, you'll see that it's very focused on this kind of like full-stack cloud-native sort of applications. And do you support any of the major public cloud environments or is that abstracted away from the user? Like I just, my app's hosted with Octeto. I'm sure under the hood you use Amazon or Google, but or something, or Microsoft, whoever, but it, which is the way, right way to think about it? Like, do I continue to use my current cloud or is Octeto the hosting provider? So we offer both. Um, what we've seen is that most of our users, they do like the fact that they don't have to choose, they don't have to think about it. They just trust Octeto for like, hey, my dev infra runs in Octeto. That's where my dev environments run. And, and we're talking dev environments for like one or hundreds of engineers, right? For like, it could be an entire company. Some of like the more traditional enterprises, they want more control. So we also have a version of Octero that you can install on your own cloud provider. So you can get the same benefits that you get with Octero, but on, on your own private cloud. And we support, as you said, all the major cloud providers, AWS, Google Cloud, Azure, DataOcean, Siebel, anywhere where you know Kubernetes is available, you can install Octero and then give your team this kind of high-level dev experience that we're building. And one of the things you talk about on the website as the benefits of using Octeto is it makes it easier to preview kind of a version of your applications under development. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, that, that is, to me, one of the reasons why we build Octeto is something that we, we saw, like I have two co-founders, the three of us, been working on developer tools for a while and kind of like building SaaS, is that when you're writing code, it's really hard to understand the implications of your changes once you think of them that application, right? Because one service, two services, yeah, I know how they interact. I know what's broken. Once you have 10, 20, uh, it's really hard. Even if you look at the code, it's really hard to predict, is this change going to break something, you know, four services apart? So our idea here is we're going to give you this capability to with one command, one, deploy, one button, you deploy this realistic environment that has all your services. And now this is something that because it's running on the cloud, you can share with anybody else. So you can just you know, take the link of your environment that you have live that your code is synchronized to, and you can send that to anybody in your team to get this really fast feedback. Like imagine I'm, I'm writing a new feature. I add like a new, I don't know, a new image on the front end. And I have this live link that I can send you and you can check it out. And even before I commit my code, you can say, you know what? That's not what we meant. It's supposed to be this other thing. And then we can iterate on that. 
And then once that code is ready and I merge and I commit it and I push it to GitHub, we also have an integration, what we're calling preview environments, which is the ability to then create another environment that's kind of attached to your pull request or merge request if you're in GitLab. And then anybody on your team can see these. And, and this is similar to what Netlify does for front end. We're doing it for the entire application. And it's really cool because this is enabling in a lot of our users, you know, this cool scenario where people who normally are not part of the feedback loop, you know, people who, you know, may, they might not be comfortable reviewing code. Now they can give you feedback because they can go click on this link, see the entire application running. And then, you know, we have customers where they're designers, they're QA, their growth team, even like the founders, salespeople can now give feedback because they can see the application running end to end. So that's uh, one of those things that we didn't really expect when we started Octeto, but then our customers show us, hey, we can do all these cool things. And that really enables a whole new level of collaboration as you write software that before was limited to just you know developers and just those who were familiar with your code base. So that for me is one of the most exciting uh, kind of like new workflows that, that we're helping unlock for, for, especially, you know, once you go to like big companies where, you know, you might have multiple teams. So tell me a bit more about what's on the roadmap. I'm curious first in the shorter term, and then we can circle back to kind of long-term because I'm also curious about that, but short-term, um, what can folks look forward to? Yeah, so short-term we have um, a lot of really cool things coming up, like really short-term. So DockerCon is next week. CubeCon, which is the conference for Kubernetes, is in a couple of weeks. So we have a lot of like really cool new things coming. Um, one of the things that we're going to be focusing a lot on short-term is in having a better integration with Docker Compose. We, we discovered last year, as we talked to customers, that developers really like Docker and Docker Compose as a way to define their applications. So that's something we built. We have a native integration with Docker Compose. And then as we talk to them and as we talk to Docker, Docker is about to launch, they already announced this, this extension model for Docker Desktop. So you're going to be able to install Octeto on Docker Desktop. And then you're, there's going to be a button for you to launch your Docker Compose file. And you're going to be able to kind of launch, kind of you're going to be able to choose how what, what containers you run locally, what you want to send remote. And what makes me very excited about this is that this is kind of part of our vision of making all this dev infrastructure completely transparent to you. It's like, hey, I'm going to run all the heavy stuff remotely. Some of the stuff I need locally, I run it locally, and I don't have to think about it. It just runs something Octeto, some in Docker, and you have this amazing experience that I was telling you earlier of like write code and see the changes. That is something that's coming that I'm very excited about. Um, other things kind of more long-term is, you know, we... We're building this dev experience that started started with cloud native applications, very focused on, on microservices and containers. As we learn from our audience, as we learn from our users, people want this for other types of applications. So we're going to start building towards this vision of dev environments that cover everything you need as a developer. Microservices, third-party services, cloud services. We're even talking to some other companies to do integrations with other developer tools. Like for us, our vision is one click, you launch your dev environment, and that's going to include everything. Imagine that it will provision a Stripe account for you and set up your webhooks. It will create a database on MongoDB's cloud service on Atlas and give you the credentials. It will integrate with something like Vault 
for secrets and give you this kind of holistic experience where it's one click, everything is running. You don't have to think about it. And you can just focus on building value and it's kind of high level, you know, whatever it means for your business. Some of our users are kind of already doing this, like building it themselves, which is like the most exciting thing for me to see people building things on top of, of what we're building. So we're going to take some of those ideas and bring it into us. And, and the other thing is, you know, Octeto is built on top of open source. We are all contributors to open source. We use open source every day. So we're going to push harder for Octeto to be a better fit in open source. Like our CLI, you can use with any Kubernetes uh, cluster now, fully open source. So we'll be doing a lot more of that. And, and yeah, and it's all about, you know, engaging with developers, learning from them, helping them in ways we can, and, and together build this next generation of what, you know, we believe a dev, a dev experience for modern applications should be like. I'm curious, taking a step back, what led you to to found this company and you know why why work on this problem space? Yeah, that's 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 a funny question because it's one of those things that as I was going through my career, I didn't plan for this, but as I look back, it's like, hey, it kind of makes sense that I ended up here. So I started my career, I'm from Mexico. I went to school in Mexico and then I moved to the US once I got my CS degree. I, I was lucky enough that Microsoft used to recruit in my school. So I got a job. I moved to Redmond in, in Washington State. And, you know, by sheer luck, ended up working on the team that was building Azure. Like before it was called Azure, kind of the early days. So from kind of the beginning of my career, I was exposed to kind of this challenge of like, hey, as you build cloud native applications, as you build, I call it this kind of like that transition when you go from your laptop for something that runs on your laptop to something that's much bigger. I was, I was kind of exposed to that early on. So I kind of saw all these problems internally. Like my team was building some tooling that looks a lot like Octeto, but very focused on the needs of like the Azure team. So it kind of gave me that first taste of like, okay, you know, the world is changing. The way we're building applications is changing. We're no longer building things that run a single machine. We're building things that are meant for cloud scale. So it gave me that early, early taste of that, but also in parallel, how important tools are for to empower teams and allow them to do a lot, you know, go faster, build bigger things. So Microsoft happened. Uh, I, I met two really good friends of mine there, still friends to, to this day. They moved to the Bay Area to start a company, a startup called Elastic Box. I moved with them. I was one of the first uh, engineers. Funny enough, I met my two now co-founders there, became really good friends. Back then, we were kind of building more like a DevOps kind of solution, but that also kind of gave you gave us this experience on like why automation is important. So after that, I went to Atlassian, was part of a big team. Internally, we saw a lot of the challenges of hey, as you scale software teams, you know, you need better tools, you need abstraction. So if you put together those kind of like three experiences, when I decided to leave Atlassian and and Pablo, Ramon, and I decided to hey, let's go work together and build something something fun, it kind of became an obvious choice of, hey, we've been seeing this problem for the last five, eight years. We've all lived it. It's very obvious it's there. And it just felt natural for us to, to build this. It was, you know, it's kind of cliche, but we were building it for ourselves. We we're kind of building this tool that we all wished existed, you know, five years ago that would have helped us in our different teams. And, and it was, you know, good friends and a space that I was very passionate about building something that we knew 
you know, it, it had, it had legs. And then, you know, it's been, it's been three years since then. Uh, we went through Y Combinator. We got that initial funding and that initial support. And that really helped us kind of make this transition from this idea to this, hey, there's a business here, there's a product, there's an audience. And that's been the case since then. And I'm, I'm super happy about this. I am very passionate about developer tools and, and team productivity. Uh, it's what I've done all my career. So it's it just felt like that. And, and it's been it's been a great experience so far. And the company's growing. We raised our Series A but in January, so a few months ago. And, and you know, things are going pretty well. Big team. Now we have 30 people all over the world. And it's, a, it's an exciting time for developer tools. Developers are everywhere. Every company is building software, as, as I'm sure you know in in LogRocket, and it's just it's just amazing. Yeah, certainly can attest to the to the fact that every company on earth is either a software company already, or becoming a software company, or building software in some capacity. So I'm always excited to see the folks that sign up for LogRocket. It's it ranges from kind of the typical software companies to companies that I'm like, wow, you have a I had no idea you had hundreds of developers building software and you're more of a, a legacy company or a government agency or, or things like that. Yeah, that feeling of when you when you you know get this email from a company that you had no idea they had a big team building software and they're like, yeah, we have like 500 people in this, you know, like government place. Like, oh, that's really cool. We are LogRocket users, by the way. We love the tool. We use it every day. Mm. It's, it's a, one of those tools that's like, oh, we could not do it. <laughs> if we didn't have it, it would be like so much harder to figure out when, when you have issues with the front end. So it's it's definitely a, a testament to all these companies building tools for like all types of developers. That's not easy and it's it's a challenge that we have today, but I think it's, it's something worth fixing because we're going to have more and more developers and they're going to need tools. Yeah, certainly. I'm curious, um, you, you mentioned you went through Y Combinator what was your experience there? Is it something you would recommend for other folks building companies, particularly in the developer tool space? Yes, uh, our experience was was great. Like we got, like everything, right? You need a mix of being ready, but also also good luck. Like we got admitted to YC. We, we joined YC very early in the in the life cycle of our company. We had an open source project. We had some interest. Couple of customers, but nothing, nothing serious. We didn't really think about Optera as a company back then. It was more like this idea. So YC really helped us as first-time founders to make that transition from this idea to like, no, no, what you're building, you know, this is something that could be gigantic and kind of have that ambition, have that mentality, and kind of show it to you that's possible. One of the more one of the coolest things about YC that I think now you also get it through startup school and through the YouTube channel is. You, you get access to all these people who have done great things before and you get to talk to them and ask them questions and kind of helps normalize the fact that, hey, it's people working hard. They have, you know, vision, they have dreams, they have certain skills. But that was great, especially, you know, I've been in the Bay Area for a while, but my co-founders didn't have that much experience living in San Francisco. So I think it helps kind of like get into the culture of like iterate fast, build quickly, try new things. It was it was great. I mean, I've heard mixed experiences. Definitely, it's my one time I've gone through YC, so my experience was very positive. It's a, I do recommend it for, especially people who are not from the startup ecosystem. Like if you're making a transition from like a big company to a startup, to be a founder, if you don't have a big network of like founders or like on the VC world, 
it's definitely worth it. Just the founder network, it's amazing. Like being a founder, especially a CEO, sometimes it can feel lonely because it's one role you've never done before. You're always try- figuring out things as you go and having access to other people who are going through the same. And even if it's just to kind of have dinner and kind of complain about the same things, it helps a lot from the emotional aspect of it and also from like the function of like asking for advice. I learned, and it's one of those hacks that knowing how to ask for advice and having access to people who can kind of who've done what you did before is priceless. It saves you months of like decision making and getting it wrong. And YC, from my experience, excels. Like that community really excels at that. Everybody is like super available. And that's something that just by joining YC, it kind of unlocks that community. And it is an unfair advantage. I think beyond the the money and the brand recognition, just kind of having access to that know-how, it makes it a little bit easier than, than the competition. Hey, this is Emily, one of the producers for Pod Rocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcasts. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts. All right. Back to the show. I'm curious, how are you thinking about, or how do you currently approach uh, finding customers and users? Um, you know, are you, it sounds like you're maybe using open source community a bit as part of your strategy, but curious to hear a bit more around the, the details of your, of your acquisition strategy. Yeah, so from day one, it was very clear to us, you know, as developers, that, you know, developers learn from other developers they learn from content from open source. So it was natural to us to start Octeto as an open source project. We The first thing we did was we went to GitHub, created you know, the repo. It was open source from the beginning. We, we, need, we didn't do the, let's be shy about it. We just put it there. You know, at the beginning, nobody cared. Um, we leveraged a lot the community. One of the things that before Octeto, both Pablo, my co-founder and I, uh, our CTO, were very involved in the Docker and kind of Kubernetes community. So that helped because we knew people there. We had people, you know, we went to meetups and talk about the idea of Octero even before we had anything, just to see if, if, hey, is this something that makes sense? So building open source helped a lot in the kind of getting those first 10 customers or users, not even customers, just people willing to try your, your solution and tell you this makes no sense or, hey, yeah, there's promise here. I kind of get what you're trying to do. Uh, that was really cool. The first couple of years for us, you know, three co-founders, all engineers, you know, technical background, not that much in marketing and sales, kind of made us focus a lot on on content. Content, I think, for developer tools is is great. Like, I'm so glad that we spent all those hours in the early days just writing blog posts, tutorials on Hacker News, on Reddit, uh, on Dev2, just talking about Ted on our vision. Because even though we didn't got that much kind of like traction in those early days, those things are still there and people find them and people find them later on. Like I, I went on like talk, give, give like meetups in meetups. And then years later, someone be like, oh yeah, I remember you were talking about Octero two years ago and it didn't make sense now, but now it does. So that helped a lot. As, as we understood the problem better, 
you know, as we wrote better content, that draw, like, I think our first 10, 20, like, serious customers, like, five, six-figure customers came from, from just content. Now, as, as we raised uh, more money, as we're building, now kind of going through our bigger, bigger companies, now we're moving into also doing more traditional, you know, marketing and sales, uh, enterprise sales, uh, outbound. But definitely, like, we will always have content and developer outreach because for anybody building developer tools, it's fundamental. Like developers will not use something they don't see value in. The world of, you know, having this salesperson just go to CTO and force a, and then the CTO force a tool on an entire team, they're gone. Like it's all about like inference. It's like you put the tool, developers see it, they try it. If they like it, they will adopt it. And if they like it, it's pressed like wildfire. Developers love new tools. And when they see something that's valuable, like we've seen some of our customers and it's super exciting when you see them go from like, there's five people in this company. And then the next week, there's like 20. And then two months later, there's like 200 people using Octero or whatever you're building, right? That only happens if developers see value. So definitely content, onboarding, making it clear what problem you solve, making it easy to use, it's it's key. For us, one of our initial hacks was, it was important for us that anybody could use our open source CLI without asking for permission, which meant Octero needs to work with like regular user level access. You don't need to be a, a, an infra admin to install Octero because if you do that, then you have to do the extra step where like your user needs to go and talk to the... And it, it works for different tools, it's a different process. But for us, we felt like this single binary, you can download, you run Octero up, and as long as you have a Kubernetes cluster somewhere, it works. Helped a lot with those kind of like first... And those first customers are like super passionate. Like they would write blog posts about it, talk about it with their friends. So it was it was, it was, was a... We kind of stumbled into it, we didn't know better, and it worked well for us. And, and now as I, as I talk to peers and, and other founder friends, um, definitely I, I do advise you know, talking about your product, dev tools, writing blog posts, putting them on Twitter, Reddit, it pays like multiple times. So you recently spoke at the DevX conference, actually earlier this week, and I know this is the topic you're passionate about, developer experience. So I'm curious from your perspective, from your perspective, you know, what what, is, what does developer experience even mean? Why is it important? How should people be thinking about it? Yeah, that's that's you're right. That's a topic that I'm very excited about, even before even before Octero. I think it like kind of why it, it lines up well with what we were discussing before of like how there are more and more developers. I think that our industry is going through this transition where in the early days there was a certain pride in things being hard, right? Like you had to like if you go back to like the Linux days, you had to compile everything yourself and figure out things on forums and obscure commands, and and that was kind of the way things were, because it was like early adopters and people kind of almost like a trial by fire kind of thing of being an engineer. I think as more and more people join the workforce, especially people who are a lot more focused on hey, using software to solve problems and not just to for the fun of writing code, I think that's driving this emergence of what now it's called dev experience, which is really focusing on how do you set up the tooling, the process, to make developers effective, like the, the world where you like, I've been like, for instance, like Git, I've been using Git for like 15 years. And to this day, every time I need to do a merge, I have to search online for like all the different options and, and parameters. I cannot, and I've done it every day for years. 
because it has a bad experience, but then you go to GitHub and it's very easy to merge a pull request. There's like a flow that gets you there and you click merge and there might be an option and a pop-up. That I think is what's changing is this, this concept of like, we want developers to be effective. We want it to be easy and obvious for them to do their job. And that's what developer experience encompasses. I think there's a lot of companies. It's been going for a while, but I think that between the emergence of remote work, COVID, and kind of developers realizing that, hey, they can look for better places if they don't like where they're working, it's kind of pushing the market into, hey, you have to care a lot more about the tools you give your developers. Like before, it was almost a joke that you will join a company and be like, okay, well, welcome to company X. There's a source code. Here's your laptop. There's a backlog. Bye, right? And then now, like, no, no, you need a good onboarding. You need to give things in an orderly way, in a way that are obvious. And I really like it because I, I think, like, the last five, I think, you know, probably Heroku and then Docker were two of the first tools I saw where there was a lot of care put into, like, make the, making them easy to use. Like, they didn't invent any of these things. Like, you could push to Git and deploy before, but Heroku made it, like, this very natural Heroku push. I still remember it. Heroku push. I haven't used Heroku in years, but it's kind of this iconic moment. Like, oh, wow, it just works. It's so easy. Docker run. And that's what we're trying to do with Octeto. You know, Octeto up, Octeto deploy is this very easy way. And, and I like that more and more companies care about this. Because I think this transition we're making to make, you know, we need to make software development more inclusive. It's happening already. You know, boot camps, I think, was a great thing to kind of get more people in the workforce that have a different kind of background. Um, we have people changing careers into software that I think is also fantastic because it's like different point of view, different skills. You, know? you see people who you know were trained as teachers, as philosophers, as I had a co-worker at Microsoft that was an arborist and then became a software developer. It's really cool because they have all these different points of views and it makes their software better. But you can't expect the old tools to work for new people. So all these companies are now thinking of like new tools, easier to use, more productivity that I really like. I like this transition of software as something you did for fun to software as a tool to solve problems. And they can be business problems. They can be personal problems. You know, if you like to hack on like home automation, it's like I do. So I like to have like a button to turn the lights downstairs. It's valuable to me and just to me. But it's fun that now all these tools take this into consideration and you don't have to spend three years reading manuals to learn how to compile something to then get it to work. So I think this is the evolution of software. Thing as you said before, as more companies build software, software is now a normal thing to do. It's no longer this kind of like niche. Like everybody knows a software developer and tools need to account for that. And, and software is now a profession like many others. And I like being part of that. I like being part of, of these companies who are pushing into this, I think, saner vision of software development of like, hey, it has to be obvious, it has to work. It has to be easy onboarding. And you know, the same thing that other, like consumer has been doing this forever. Like you don't have to read a tutorial on how to use Instagram or TikTok. You just use it and it's obvious. And we need to get software that way. And I think Figma's doing a good job at that. I think, I think Lord Rocket does a good job. I think we're trying to get there and many others are there. So it's, uh, it's exciting to see it. It's definitely a change from like 10 years ago. Like it's changing so fast. And what's even better as a business is that companies are realizing that and companies now have budgets for these kind of tools. Like 
five years ago, it was very hard if you were a developer in a big company to get money for like an IDE, for like a certain tool. It's not so easy, but it's getting easier. Like we talked to a lot of companies and now you're seeing companies with like seven figure budgets for dev experience. And they're like, yeah, we're gonna have to spend millions on tooling because we want our developers to be effective, to be comfortable, to like their job. So it's a it's a very, very welcoming change. It benefits us because we're in that space, but I think as as a software developer professional, it's something good to see. It was always counterintuitive that you, you know, so hard to hire developers and then you don't give them good tools. It's like, why, why am I here? <laughs> it took us a while, but we're there. We're getting there. So it's, uh, it's very exciting. Well, Ramiro, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, for anyone out there who's interested in learning more about Octeto, it's octeto.com, O-K-T-E-T-O.com. Um, we can probably put a link in the episode description. And for any anything else you'd recommend if people want to learn more, um, you know, do you have a YouTube YouTube channel or uh, any kind of tutorials? Or uh, you mentioned some blog posts. Mm-hmm. Should we uh, link yeah, it? I mean, octeto.com yeah. octeto. is kind of like the, the gateway to everything, but we have a YouTube channel with a bunch of tutorials. We have our, our blog, octeto.com slash blog. But if you just go to our website, you can try out Octeto for free. I hope that the onboarding will be enough to, you know, show you the value of what we do, but check it out. It's free to try for developers. All you need to have is a GitHub account, no credit card required, and you can try it out and, you know, see this value of um, of remote dev environments. And if it's something that you're passionate about, you know, we are hiding. Um, we also have a ton of open source projects, and we're always looking for collaborations, maintainers. I'm going to be at DockerCon, at KubeCon, and all those conferences. So always looking to connect with more people who are passionate about, you know, their experience, their environments, and, and DevTools. So, yeah, just, yeah, and you can find me on Twitter as well. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Ramiro. Thanks, Ben. It was fantastic being here. Thanks for listening to PodRocket. You can find us at PodRocketPod on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.